Welcome back, everybody. My name is JW Crewall, and here I am today with Riley Hulbert. This is your tag team podcast. Welcome back. It's been a long week, uh, but we're both really excited to be here and to be streaming tonight. I don't know about you, Riley. I'm very excited. Give me your thoughts. Dude, I am so pumped. It feels like it's been longer than a week since we last talked. I feel like yeah. so much has happened in the last couple of days. And plus, Brazil's right around the corner. It's just been like a hectic period of time for Pokemon. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm going to be honest, like, as we're getting into this season, it seems like I've been more and more excited to start the show. Like, it's just been like, I get anxious for Wednesdays. I'm like, ready for it to be here. And it's finally here, and it just feels like a big, you know, like, this is where I should be. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many things that are constantly going on with this past year in the metagame and with in both formats. And, you know, with a new set right around the corner, it's only more crazy stuff to come, honestly. For sure. For so sure. I'm always, like, super hyped to get into this format and kind of dive into what the game's been like lately. I've really, really enjoyed the game lately. Yeah, I would agree. It's been super fun. I think Cosmic Eclipse has really brought about a lot of new cards, a lot of new strategies, and I am very excited. We were talking about this before the stream or before the podcast about how we're really excited to watch the stream for this weekend in Latin America. I think it'll be really fun. I'm excited to see what people come up with, and I think there are a lot of viable strategies that can go pretty far. Yeah, I think this format is going to be rife with all sorts of new strategies as well as old staples from the last format. Um, Brazil is just going to be a, a crazy tournament for sure. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on there that nobody could predict. For sure. We were making our list of, of decks that we wanted to hit on and it just, it almost never ended. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the longest list of viable decks that we may have ever had here on tag team. So we're going to try to dissect that. We're going to try to get through that tonight uh, and give you guys kind of our overview, how we see the format and how we think Latin America international championships are going to shape up. So why don't we start with just a very brief, very, very brief recap on expanded. Obviously that was the last tournament uh, to happen in Portland. You happened to go to it. Why don't you give us your thoughts on just that metagame, uh, and you know how you did it in Portland. Yeah, um, the metagame kind of got this weird turn in a post-Richmond world where Vileplume really dominated. Vileplume did not do well in Portland, that's for sure. Yeah, And that's because a lot of people shifted their strategies kind of exactly like we talked about last week. Um, people addressed Vileplume very heavily. There was a lot of the Guardi deck. Um, some of them even played Garbodor. There was a lot of Turbo Dark with you know, some of them even played two Weaviles. Some of them played Mega Tyranitar. It was like all sorts of crazy yeah. variants of Dark. Um, and they were like the most popular decks by a lot when sure. you added them together. Um, and I kind of run a lot of these typical control decks off the table, which opened up a new avenue for other decks to crop back up into the metagame. So it was definitely weird. And the way that um, me, Jimmy, and the six other people who played the Pidgey deck kind of chose to approach that is uh, Michael Pramont too, obviously a fellow full group member um, is we wanted to control the metagame, but we wanted to also only have one prize to offer. And we wanted to also be able to operate under power plant. So that's kind of where the Pidgey deck came from uh, when Nona was an obvious inclusion there. 
And that deck ended up being really, really cool. It was really fun to play. That Mimikyu was a cool card. It felt like we were just like trying to get as much CP as possible with a bunch of cards that have never gotten CP before. Yeah. <laughs> and likely never will again. <laughs> and just roll with that. It was a it was a really fun tournament. For sure. Um, if you're interested at all in like the in-depth of the Pidgey deck, feel free to check out Pram's video on Tricky Gym. Uh Pram's a really funny guy. The, <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that video and it then was, that deck. Yeah, it was a really funny video. For yeah. sure. Yeah, if you want to see Pram, forget that he has no Guzma in his deck for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's the video for you. I love Pram, though. He's the best. So so that was like our approach to the metagame. And it was kind of the last hurrah for a lot of these hand control cards that are going to get banned. Um, and overall, it was just a really fun tournament. The, the players were all super nice, super welcoming in the area. Everyone yeah. was extremely hyped up to be there. Yeah. Um, and also a huge shout out as well to all of my opponents and just general players I met over the weekend who expressed their support for tag team and what we do here. Um, that's what it's all about, right? We try to deliver something awesome that you all can consume and learn about Pokemon or just get, enjoy the banter and just enjoy the feeling of being part of this community. So yeah, thank you all who reached out. Um, and yeah, but overall, like this is a really interesting expanded format. A lot of, a lot of shifts from Richmond and kind of shifts that we all saw coming um, as well. Right. And Zoro Garb taking it all, I think, was the most surprising thing, but it wasn't sure. shocking either. Right. I don't yeah. I don't think anyone is truly like, oh my gosh, Zoro Garb won a tournament. <laughs> right, right. Like, exactly. It's like, it's it, like a Zara can expand it. Like it'll do well. It's and it's been around a long time. I feel like there are certain people, like Ian Robb, especially, like just just you know Zorgarb so well that you can just take it to any expanded tournament and just kind of do well with it. It has answers to pretty much everything. Not great answers to everything, but it does have answers to everything. So uh, really yeah. well done. Really well done by Ian. Uh, nice call. And he obviously played it very well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And sadly, though, this expanded format is kind of out the window. Not only are we getting a new pack, so all sorts of new cards getting out of the pool, but a ton of the cards that kind of defined this expanded metagame are getting outright banned yeah so i'm really interested as to what the next expanded format looks like and how yeah. decks shape up yeah um i think it'll be a complete shift besides maybe like zoro garb and dark being mainstays yeah for sure i think zoro garb stays uh, surge to me is the only card that i'm looking at in a, in a post-ban world that says oh yeah this was you know very heavily played and i'm happy to see it go i don't really think marshadow was that big of an issue uh, i didn't really see it cause problem i don't think it was in any of the top four decks in um in portland i just i don't know maybe maybe i'm looking at it through the wrong lens but i don't see many of the other cards being ban worthy uh other than maybe surge but i i think reset stamp uh, opens up a lot of toxicity and i i'm not a, i mean like i don't think marshall is a huge deal but i think the game's just healthier without it and that's fair enough and then like chip chip too it's like i don't see that as a huge deal but Honestly, for it to be gone, it really nerfs a lot of these control decks. So it'll be interesting to see how expanded shapes up post bans. Moving yeah, on. Definitely. Moving on to LAIC. I mean, this is going to be the major topic of today's episode. There are just a ton of decks. Riley, what have you been testing that you really like? Talk to me about just some things that kind of stand out to you about this new metagame. Yeah. I. I have been a little bit starved on testing time. I'm not going to lie compared to what I would normally want uh, for a new set release. Usually I get a lot of games in. 
Um, Portland kind of throws a wrench in that. And people who went to both Portland and Richmond, I feel I think they're really feeling the burn right now because yeah. they had to prepare for both of those events and now have Brazil coming up. And if you're putting the adequate time into all of those, it kind of you have to like crunch every single one into a couple of days. Right. So, um, however, that being said, there are a couple of decks that really stand out to me in this format, mm-hmm. and I think the first one, and this is one that everybody is well aware of, is just going to be Pidgey. Um, I think you just have to be able to beat Pidgey to play your deck in this format. The right. the Pidgey deck is insanely strong. It's stronger than it's ever been, and some people have been like wishy-washy in how some of the cards have like changed the deck and like what counts actually are going to be played. Um, Mimikyu being uh, like a debatable card as well as uh, Belova and Brysonman being kind of a debatable card. Some people say that the, the Brysonman is kind of like a win more thing and it's only, you only play it when you already got a lock off. Sure. And that's like kind of true, but I think it misses out on some key points. A, it lets Pidgey finish games a lot faster, like almost ridiculously so. Uh, Pidgey is easily a best-of-one viable deck now where it really wasn't before. Sure. Um, but also, it removes resources from the game from your opponent, um, whether that be like limiting their bench with the second effect or just um, just removing key resources by milling them randomly yeah. um, is something that, frankly, can't go understated. Um I, now, I would if your agree. opponent that... only has a couple good cards left yeah. and you start milling a lot of their deck every turn, it's more than likely you'll start hitting those important cards and they'll have less and less outs to win the more you use Belova and Bryson. Yeah, it can be really oppressive. And I think one thing that you touched on too that uh, certainly I've started to learn about the card is just how how impactful discarding off your own bench can be. Uh, mm-hmm. Discarding the Articuno uh, to make room for, you know, another Pidgey. Uh, discarding the Jirachis, like when you just don't need them anymore to, you know, make more room on your bench is, is so huge. And it really disrupts the opponent as well. Um, very interesting card. I expect that card to, in Pidgey decks, I've been seeing people play one. But in my personal testing, I think like two, possibly more is going to be the standard. I could see even going to three because the the times where you have Surge and then a double Belalba Bryson Man is like so insane. It's so hard to comprehend. We've <laughs> that never turn is se- ridiculous. We've yeah. never seen discard six before. We've seen discard four, right? Durant was around in what, 20... 20- 11 and we've seen i don't know other mill cards you know team rocket's handiwork comes to mind but i mean the... team rocket's handiwork averages two right right that's what i'm saying exactly <laughs> you know exactly. and you're like and on and that's on average like there'll be lots of periods of times where you just get zero cards for multiple turns in a row yep um and like the high roll of getting four is like barely better than Belova, which can just do it naturally. Right. <laughs> Get right. three. Right, right. That they like tried to like uh nerf it a little bit by saying you also discard three, but it's hardly a nerf in a deck like Pidgey, where you just kinda rangaroo everything back in. Yeah. Plus in Pidgey, you're either using it late game when you have no cards in deck, or you're using it kind of mid game. Right. When you want cards out of your deck so you can get to no cards in your deck. Right. So it kind of just helps <laughs> in all, sure. all regards. It's insane. It is crazy. Wild, so. wild card. Um, any other cards that you're seeing that just kind of stand out to you as being maybe format defining or tournament defining or early format, um, you know, standouts? In Pidgey, not necessarily. 
Um, but I think as we start to talk about more of these other decks, a couple of cards that will come up often are Chaotic Swell being one of them. Chaotic Swell, often paired with Keldeo, but often just used on its own. It's just the ultimate blank stadium. For years, people have said, oh, you know, if I could just play a blank stadium card that did nothing but take up the stadium slot, I would do that. Sure. And, um, you know, we had Field Blower for a while, which kind of, like, mitigated that need. Um, but Chaotic Swell is two blank stadiums <laughs> every right. time you use it. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so good. Absolutely. And, like, I mean, in this past format, the... The Unified Minds format, the decks were pretty reliant on their stadiums. Like, Pigram really needed Thunder Mountain when it needed it. Um, the Fire decks all really needed Giant Hearth to go off when they needed it. Ultra Space is key to a lot of decks' engine. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we're going to have to see a huge shift in the way the decks are just fundamentally approached because of Chaotic Swell changing yeah. how stadiums are valued. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You see that too. The Chaotic Swell is kind of buffs some other cards, uh, most notably Keldeo. Um, Keldeo was easily able to be played around last format because people would just play the power plant and boom, be able to one-shot it. Now, if the Keldeo player plays not a Chaotic Swell, they obviously can't do that same strategy. There's a little bit of workaround that you can do with like maybe a Marshadow uh, resetting hole on your bench, get rid of the Chaotic Swell and then put your own power plant down, but that's like another step and it just complicates things even more. So Keldeo obviously getting a big buff uh, and that, you know, kind of leads us into like maybe one of the most interesting decks of our new format in ADP. We have a question from Jason in the chat. He says, is ADP tier one or the new gatekeeper deck? What are your thoughts on ADP? ADP has a deck that I'm kind of conflicted on because I think at its core, it has a really good strategy behind it it yeah you know you just pop the gx attack early and you accelerate energy onto the board and then you swing with with uh sorry keldeo it's not articunos over and over and over again sure and it's really hard for a lot of decks to deal with that um and you know taking the extra prizes gives it a pretty good ability to deal with one prize decks um and trade favorably into those mm-hmm. and also you know just taking an extra prize can really matter versus a lot of matchups for example Versus green Charizard, you only have to KO a Charizard and a Volcanion. Sure. Um, or you can KO two Dedenes against the Dedene heavy deck and not even touch the main attacker. Sure. Um, so like there's a lot of things that, that seem right for it on paper, but I think in practice, it falls a little short of my expectations. And maybe that's maybe that's my own personal fault and like the fault of like the testing group and not building it properly. But I, like I haven't seen it yet. I haven't been convinced yet. Yeah. Um, and I the thing is I kind of want to be because I think the card is really cool and yeah. I think the strategy is really cool for sure um, and I, I tend to get in these modes where I just really want to be convinced by a deck and I'll push it and push it and push yeah. it and like it's just not even worth it yeah. um, but I just I haven't really got it got the fire fully lit under me for ADP yeah and I'm not quite sure what the problem is i think it's just like a little too inconsistent and like that turn that you have to gx i think is really if you can do that turn for like free yeah it's you win usually but if you like get smacked and you can't heal it then you probably lose yeah i was just gonna say there's a big struggle with that deck in terms of the timing i find where you have to take a turn to gx and you have to hope that that is your second turn 
Like sometimes that, sometimes that's not, you know, even your first turn. Like you have to hope that you get that by your second turn uh, if you go first. And sometimes that doesn't happen. So like you have to wait another turn. But then, so it takes a turn to attack. It takes another turn, you know, attack with the GX. It takes another turn to swing to accelerate your board. And then it takes like more turns to start hitting. Like you'd never take a one shot on anything except for the, you know, you don't take one shots on tag teams, I guess. Is what I'm trying to say. You don't take one shots on tag teams. So now the turns, you know, two, three, four, they can start healing. Things can go really, really wrong with your strategy. I don't find the ADP has the tools that it needs. I don't think Keldeo is the big threat that everyone wants it to be. It kind of slows that game down in the late, later stages, but I feel like it's not enough, right? Because you have to swing with ADP. You're giving up three prizes and then you usually sack like a Jirachi or you play a Dedene, and then all the opponent has to do is go through one Keldeo, which I don't think is that big of a deal for a lot of decks. So or zero. I mean, there are plenty of games where, you know, they knock out a Jirachi, they knock out an ADP, and they knock out a Dedene, and that's six prizes. Right, right. Exactly. You don't even need to look at the Keldeo. Exactly. I mean, there are decks that, like, don't play Dedene, um, but again, like, you're probably putting i've seen a lot of lists that play jirachi so at that point you're already putting four prizes on the board just for the opponent to have so figuring out that last you know those last two prizes it may be difficult but usually i've found a lot of decks can do it so i'm not so yeah. high on adp i i just don't like the the power level it can't one shot anything it doesn't really have it has a lot of attacks that can be played around pretty easily and one of the biggest counters to adp for a lot of these tag team decks is one of our other all-star cards from uh, Cosmic Eclipse, Mallow and Lana. Yeah, um, and that was actually something I wanted to loop into right as we were talking about ADP, because it also uses the tag team engine. Yeah. Um, but it's also weak against it, kind of, like because the damage is so low. Um, but definitely, like I think maybe even the most impressive cards in this... Um, this pack, this block, yeah. is the is the tag team engine. The tag call, Cynthia, Caitlin, Mallow, and Lana um, conglomerate, I guess, that you throw into all these tag team decks. I am really, really impressed by that. The tag call, I mean, tag call is just a phenomenal card. That card is insanely good. Um, being able to grab a Pokemon and a supporter, even if that supporter is not the single best supporter in the world, just right. being able to do that is right. really good. Right. Um, but then Malolana also is just a really good supporter. Um, you know, against both for and against ADP, healing that 120 is is huge. It's massive. Um, it's massive. And that's it's kind of putting a stranglehold on these two-shot strategies. You know, if let's say you swing with a Keldeo into a, a GX, if they if they Malolana that, that's 120 out of the 140 of the damage. Right. That's not even two-shotting an opponent's Keldeo anymore. Right. So, yeah, Malolana, I think a lot of people were, knew it was good. We, we all knew it was a good card. You know, we weren't completely ignorant. But I think we were, I don't know, like, not deceived, not ignorant. But we didn't realize that it would be as good as it was as the metagame developed, especially. The switch sure. effect is good. The healing is good. It's just everything about it is good. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. For sure. For sure. We'll see how it impacts Latin America, international championships uh, this weekend. I'm, I'm excited. That's one of the bigger cards, I think, that should make a pretty 
significant impact. I would not be surprised to see it in, you know, half of the top eight decks. So looking ahead, we've talked a lot about ADP, uh, kind of are pretty low on it between the two of us. It's definitely wouldn't be in my, it definitely wouldn't even be in my top five, I think, if I were going this weekend. Um, let's talk about some other decks. We have some of our favorites we have listed here are Pidgeotto, Baby Blounds, and Mewtwo. Do you want to give some overview as to kind of what you think those have to offer uh, that make them the best in the format? Yeah, sure. Um, we already talked quite a bit about Pidgey. I don't think there's a lot that needs to be said. I think also a lot of you listening to this probably also have heard about Pidgey in other places and how good it is in this format. It's kind of like, it's just kind of the echo chamber that we have going yeah, into this yeah. format is that Pidgey is really good. Um, right. So I don't need to harp on that forever. Baby Blounds, I think what makes Baby Blounds good is um, not that it's like an inherently amazing deck because I it's like it's just an, it's like an okay deck. I'm not a huge fan of it, but so, it's a one prize deck that one shots and has inherent draw on the Pidgeys. And there's like especially in a format that looks to be building up to be tankier and with these big big boys. Um, Very and, you know, Malamar is also kind of getting hated out by the worsening matchup against Pidgey and the worst matchup now against all the tag team decks that are playing Mal and Lana, which yeah. completely nullifies the turn of Giratina. So basically every turn that you play Mal and Lana is a turn they didn't attack with Malamar, right. which is just crazy. So Malamar is getting hated out, which is exactly what Baby Blast Cephalon wants because that's the worst matchup by far. And it can just creep back into the metagame and one-shot a bunch of GXs, which seems pretty good to me. I don't know. I think that I think there's a lot to be seen there. Um, I don't know if the deck will be popular, but I think it's a decent pick going into LAIC. Yeah, interesting, interesting thoughts there. Um, we have kind of one one deck that I want to touch on a little bit is just Mewtwo. I think that deck stays relevant, extremely relevant. And we just look at the sheer number of options that Mewtwo has, which is what made it the best deck in format last format i think it maintains that status even with cards like mimikyu coming out i don't think players have really understood how to utilize mimikyu other than in giratina decks uh giratina malamar decks so mimikyu is a little bit hard because how do you place the damage counters maybe you have like shrine or something to do that um but really i haven't seen any lists that play shrine and mimikyu i digress mewtwo i believe as long as Mimikyu isn't played, stays, you know, tier one. Absolutely. Just a ton of options. I would agree yeah. with your, I would agree with that assessment on Pidgey. Probably no need to go into it even more. Um, the Surge double, double uh, Bellelba Bryson Man is absolutely insane. Uh, and then Baby Blondes, of course, one shots, everything. Probably the closest deck that we have on the list to being like a glass cannon because it can just pop off to an extreme degree. Yeah. So we I, have... I did want to touch on Mewtwo a little bit more. Oh, sure. Um, sure. Mewtwo is a stadium reliant deck, which might be harmful going to this format, but I think Mewtwo has two things that go for it really well. It one shots really easy. The 300 damage is crazy. Um, we've seen some ADP lists play helmet, but there's not like a good way to search out the helmet even. Yeah. So it barely feels like it matters to me. Um, and then there's just like a lot of good options. Mewtwo can one-shot a lot of things with Macargo. It can two-shot with, you know, Turbo Strike and something else. 
And then also, even though it's a Stadium Reliant deck, which I touched on earlier, it can play Marshadow incredibly easily. It can even play two if it really wants to. Uh, you know, I think we've gone beyond an era where like Lava Fett's even a consideration. So, sure. Um, I think Mewtwo just stays a top dog and is actually one of the top decks that I would pick in this tournament. Cool. Moving past, probably, you know, we, we would say those three decks, and I, I would agree, like Pidgeotto, Baby Blonde, Mewtwo, some order, those are probably just good decks. Like people should be, Pidgeotto and Mewtwo, people should probably be prepared to face those. Baby Blounds is just a, seems like it's well positioned going into this metagame of, of tankiness like we, we just mentioned. Now let's turn to some popular picks. We were talking before the podcast about the Latin American metagame, uh, which, you know, it's, it's just different than what Americans are used to, right? I mean, it's the same thing as like going over to, to Europe. They have a different mm -hmm. metagame or it's the same as going over to Australia. Like every place that you go kind of favors different decks, be that for just, I don't know, the local metagame there, it, it, they, they prefer having more, more or less fun. Uh, it's cheaper to get those cards. Uh, you know, somebody good, like their, their, their regional best player just plays this one archetype, like whatever it is, there's some reason that uh, certain archetypes are favored in different places. So what are some popular picks that you would say to a fellow American going to Latin America this weekend to be prepared for? I think the main things that I would look to as being popular would be ADP, which we've talked quite a bit about. Um, Malamar, in my experience, was is very popular in Latin America. It was played all over the place last year at LAIC. I expect that to be somewhat similar this year, especially because Malamar is getting some hype going into this format. Um, and also Greenzard has repeatedly topped and won events in Latin America this year. Um, where it has not really performed incredibly well after Worlds anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. So I expect that train to continue. I expect Greenzards to shift more towards Breakshin, Breakshin Charizard. Sure. But I do expect Greenzard to be a, a popular pick in, in Latin America, just based on the historical precedent that they have set from the rest of the tournaments this year. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, what what more to add? I mean, that, that was a really great summary of just... It's different, right? It's different wherever you go. Wherever you go, it's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. Be prepared out there. <laughs> it's a little scary world outside of uh, outside of America, I often find. So yeah, not, not in general. Sure. Not in general. I, that wasn't a general statement. Just no, I know in the Pokemon, in the Pokemon like, sense. <laughs> in the Pokemon world, it is, it is like nerve-wracking to enter these completely foreign metagames that approach yeah. the game in just a fundamentally different way because you don't... Right. Right. Like maybe what works really well in your area just doesn't even make sense in a different area right. as a viable option. Exactly. And that's certainly a thing. I did want to ask, uh, we talked before the podcast um, about these decks we expected to be popular. And we alluded earlier that like Malamar maybe isn't in the best spot ever right now. Can you elaborate more on Malamar? You said you were testing it a little bit going into this format. How's it feeling to you? either good or bad and why yeah i mean it just kind of gets kept gate kept by adp i just find that adp with a lot of these one prize decks and specifically malamar that's you know a little bit slower to get going doesn't ever one shot um it just has a, a bunch of problems there with adp so malamar's success will depend on how good adp is i i feel and um 
know, I also feel like it kind of has a bad matchup against Pidgey. Um, Mewtwo is winnable for sure, but like there's a couple of bad matchups of decks that we expect to be popular. So I think Malamar is just gate kept by ADP. And so if ADP succeeds, Malamar will surely decline. Yeah, I mean, Malamar definitely takes a rough matchup to ADP. I mean, it's, what is it even supposed to do? It completely ruins the point of the deck when you right. start taking multiple prizes at once. And I also think Malamalana is really bad for Malamar. Right. right. Every time your opponent plays Malamalana, you just get like so I much mean, closer to losing. I was just going to say, they just negate your whole strategy, right? Generally speaking, you're going to go up against these tag team decks. You're going to try to two-shot the tag team decks. If you have one of your whole attacks like negated, you just basically lost that turn, and now they're continually knocking you out. It, it can be rough uh, with Mallow and Lana base decks. Uh, oh, we lost you there, Riley. That's no, fine. My, I don't know. My laptop camera just doesn't agree with me on the road. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. We got to get back to uh, back to the old days. But um, yeah. <laughs> so moving on here, uh, the rogue threats. So we talked about our best choices, maybe our favorite choices heading in. Popular picks that we think the local metagame might center around. And then now let's go into the rogue threats that maybe haven't been talked about or are kind of dark horses heading into the tournament. I think one of those big ones that we just haven't talked about, we've, we've left it out, is Gardevoir. Now, Gardevoir, seen a ton of success in, you know, Worlds format. Just a very good kind of counter deck, right? You can play all the fairy charms. You can counter Mewtwo. Uh, you can counter, I don't know, whatever. All dragon Pokemon now. You can counter just a bunch of things, right? You can counter Picaron when that was that was a big matchup. So Gardevoir seems well poised, but maybe not, you know, a tier one deck. It's, it's definitely under the radar heading into LAIC. Any thoughts on where you think a deck like Gardevoir, uh, what kind of splashes it can make this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think Gardevoir is good against... ADP, if it can deal with the Keldeos, I think it's more or less fine against, like, Mewtwo. It's fine against Malamar. Um, Pidgey is a really bad matchup, and so is Baby Blounds, which would make me nervous to play play Guardi. Uh, sure. It's just such a meta-dependent deck as well, and usually, I think going into these ICs, it's better to play a meta-neutral deck. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's so wide open. It's so wide open that you just never know, right? You never know what you're going to see. And that's probably the worst metagame for a deck like Gardevoir. Um, we also look at another rogue threat. There are things like Picaram, I would say, is a rogue threat just because it's kind of fallen off um, in terms of viability. We've talked about a little bit Chaotic Swell being pretty tough to deal with for a Picaram player. If you can lay down a Chaotic Swell, well, all of a sudden one of the biggest tools in your deck in thunder mountain is just instantly negated uh we also talk about a little bit about doll stall that has been a deck i've seen a ton on the ladder online i it feels like maybe one out of every three games i'm playing against some deck that plays a doll in it and then Ish. what's that that's ridiculous i know it, it's actually a little bit crazy i don't know what's happening and then finally i think there's some merit to playing a gx blacephalon deck I've been testing that a little bit. I think I like where it is right now. If the metagame shifts to center entirely around tag teams, which I expect it to do, then Blacephalon seems like a really good choice for this weekend. 
Uh, do you have any thoughts on what we've listed as rogue threats being Guardi, Picaram, the Doll Stall, or Blacephalon? Yeah, um, I kind of, I touched on Guardi a little bit already, but Picaram, I think um, we call it a rogue threat, and I think that's mostly because it's unexpected right now. I don't think the deck is actually like. I mean, besides the fact that I hate the deck and think it's terrible, I don't think it's actually bad for this tournament. Um, I think the people, the thing that made people really afraid to play Picaram was Lopunny, and yeah. I think Lopunny has been overall underwhelming and hasn't been as ubiquitous as people think it is. Like, I don't even think you actually really need to change the way Picaram is fundamentally built to make it a viable choice in this format. I think you can just, you can legit just like take a <laughs> a unified minds list into it. A cosmic eclipse tournament and you'll probably do okay yeah um that's ridiculously good um doll i think i think it's a worse deck than pidgey at what it as far as like being a stall deck but i think it takes it has like a different matchup spread like there are some decks that doll just can't beat um but then it has decks that just can't beat it as well right <laughs> whereas pidgey's like i feel like anything can beat pidgey it just randomly here and there Sure. Um, whereas like the dolls are like impossible to overcome for some other decks. For sure. And I don't have a ton of thoughts on GX Blown, but I was curious. Are you building it currently with like the Island Challenge Amulet version, or are you building it more in the lines of how we've seen it in Unified Minds format? What are your thoughts on like how Big Blown should be played? I mean, I tried like a heavier line of Island Challenge Amulet. I I do feel like it's a good card, but I had it at two to try to prove the concept. I think one is just fine. It seems like you draw through enough of your deck that you can usually get to it. And oftentimes it's not even that bad to play late game on like a Dedenne or something like that. So I'm just down to the one. Um, I think the list, generally speaking, is basically the same. I've cut back on stadiums because as we've been talking, Chaotic Swell is just a huge thing. So like if they get a Chaotic Swell, then your stadium is basically useless. So I've tried to steer away from stadium usage to setup. Um, other than that, I mean, I just think the deck functions just about the same that it did, you know, in the world's format. Uh, but now why it would be a better play is if there are more uh, tag team decks, Blacephalon can just feast. Do you think Blacephalon has an ability to deal with ADP or do you think Caldeo is, is too hard to deal with? I think it does. So there's a few different techs that you can do. Well, the main strategy against a Keldeo is to try to two-shot it with your Naganadel. Like the optimal way to win against ADP is to knock out an ADP as your first prizes. So you go down to three prizes and then attach your beast energy to a Naganadel and one-shot their Keldeo and then take another prize somehow. Yeah. That often isn't that easy, right? A lot of times they'll sack a Jirachi waiting to power up an ADP. So you have to take a Jirachi prize or you like burst GX or something like that. And then, um, and then, you know, you have to find a way to go through the last Keldeo. You have to like two shot with a beast energy, right? So you, you do 80 damage to it with turning point and then you attach a beast energy on your next turn and then do, you know, the two shot. That's often pretty hard because if they play healing of any sort, then that strategy goes out the window. So what I've been trying in my list is to play an Ultra Forest Cartonvoy to get around the Keldeo. Because again, you only really need to go around one. You take a Burst Knockout and or a Jirachi Knockout. You take an ADP Knockout. And then you just have to go through 
one Keldeo. So if you can use Ultra Forest Carton Boy on that turn that you need to go through. <laughs> I know it sounds so ridiculous <laughs> saying it, right? But if Card you can... <laughs> name is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't is Carton Boy like somebody in the game? I, I didn't play this series of games, so I don't know who Carton Boy is. <laughs> I th I think it is. He's like he lives in like the the ultra forest, forest. where Cartana comes from, I think. Um, oh, so okay, so Ultra Space has other humans in it. Ultra Space is like it's <laughs> the whole thing is kind of bizarre, but like Ultra Space <laughs> is like like the uh, like the hyperspace kind of like tube almost okay. that like connects all these ultra like dimensions, and there's like there's like the Ultra Forest, there's the Ultra like Canyon, I think, like a bunch of different landscapes. Okay, um, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Back to back on topic. Ultra Forest Carton Boy. I just find you know you play that you can just swing right through a Keldeo uh, and take your last two prizes. So that is what I've been testing with, experimenting with. Theoretically, it should work. I think it'd be fine. You just got to grip it for the uh, for the late game against ADP. But other than that, I mean, you have pretty good matchups against. You know, potentially guardy. Like you could tech for that, right? You can just play a couple of um, play a couple of um, uh, Lysander Labs to get around that, or maybe like a Heatran or something. Uh, you can beat things like Picaram if you play a Mew. You can beat things like Dolst. Okay, so stall decks are kind of hard. So the tech for stall decks is to play a Stinger Naganadel. So you take them down to three prizes each. And try to go win from there. Try to take three knockouts. Like even if you have B string, and this is kind of what I was getting into though, is like even if you have B string, you lose to Dollstall. Right. But you'll beat Pidgey. Yes. Uh, yes. So that would be an exact matchup where Dollstall is actually better suited to beat you know a deck than Pidgey. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the follow. Been there, done that. I maybe I should have disabled all these notifications for this. I I'm so sorry. We'll know next time. There's a lot of things where like. Jeremy is a novice. No, no, no. It's like hosting. You just a lot of things you just don't think about, right? Yeah. You just don't think about. Yeah, so. you're a novice at the hosting the podcast. Not a novice in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I like Blusseflon. I think it has a lot of options decent type co or decent coverage against a lot of things and it has a good draw engine in Naganadel GX so that kind of feels like a sleeper threat to me um and I expected to see you know some success this weekend some of the flops that we have here on the list and I'll talk about it if you were watching Andrew's stream you saw this deck get obliterated every time it was on but Reshiram not seeming like the powerhouse deck that uh that it should be right you think okay i can do 270 turn after turn it's gonna be so fun it's gonna be so easy i'm gonna blow everything out of the water doesn't really happen that way what are your thoughts yeah. on reshiram i i really don't like the deck i'm not gonna lie it's it's cool you know it's it's got cool cards it's got cool attack names <laughs> sure but it just feels to me like a three pies with stuff on 
that doesn't even do 300 damage. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. it can't even KO at ADP, which is really sad. Sure. Absolutely. Or itself. It can't even KO itself. So, like, I don't see the point in ever playing it. You know, if you're already playing kind of a Welder Accelerate Naganadel deck, then you should just play Blounds. And I don't think the end version is very good. So, yeah, I, and I don't like the deck at all. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a dud. It reminds me a lot of when we had Lost World decks with Gengar and Mew Prime <laughs> back when they said, oh, this deck is going to be so good. You know, it's going to warp the whole format. And then we got it and it ended up just being very bad and, uh, you know, never really seeing any of those big placements that everybody thought it was going to have. So Reshiram, definitely a stinker. How about Dark Box? Dark Box is one of those decks that I've been testing. It seems like it should get a lot better with red and blue, right? You play four red and blue in your deck. Obviously that card allows you to search your deck for an evolution, play that evolution, and then attach two energies from your deck to that evolution so you're thinking okay this is the acceleration and the search that we've desperately wanted in a deck like dark box any thoughts from you riley on dark box's position in the metagame and maybe why it isn't doing so well right now um i really don't have a ton of thoughts besides the fact that um <laughs> that dark box guy cracks me up um but i mean realistically i don't think the deck is any really better position than it was before yeah i red and blue it kind of feels like it needs to valley on board to work because you're discarding so much to not really do a ton um and if it's with me the way it feels to me is like dark box needs to do a lot every turn sure um and if you're red and blueing, you're not doing that much in a turn, if that makes sense. Sure. You're just kind of getting an evolution out. So if you don't have the rest of your board established, because you need multiple evolutions and you need your GX in play to attack with and all this sort of stuff. So if you're only red and blueing that turn without like a Savali or something else in play, um, it starts to get a little shaky. And so like maybe the way to, and people, I've seen people try and do like work around that by doing more of an ultra space, Naganel GX kind of heavy version. Also seeing people play a Savali version. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I just I just don't think it's like that phenomenal of a deck. Sure, but I mean it'll always live on in my heart as like a really fun deck that I enjoy playing. Absolutely, um, definitely not a deck I would take <laughs> to. If I was in Brazil, I probably wouldn't even bring my dark cards. <laughs> That's so sad. Sorry, Tyler. I'm so sorry, Tyler. <laughs> Truly. Well, yeah. I mean, that was a really good overview, Riley of what we expect to see in Brazil this weekend to reiterate our top three choices. I I think we're pretty unanimous on this just in terms of power level, Pidgey, Mewtwo, the staple Mewtwo and baby Blounds. Those feel like the three decks that I think I could flip a coin and you know, whatever landed on, like I would take one of those three decks. Obviously not a coin. Okay. Roll a die, right? A die has more than, two sides okay i digress i could roll a die pick any of those and be perfectly fine heading into whatever metagame it's just gonna be a very fun tournament we've gone over 10 15 decks tonight and a lot of them could make a deep run so any hot takes that you want to give before we finish this episode off riley um 
I don't think I honestly I don't think I have any especially hot takes. I think probably the hottest take that I have is I think Mewtwo is still a really really good choice going into this tournament. Yeah. Um, but I think how hot that take is it just depends on the group that you're asking, because I think some people are like ah oh, blah, 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 like Mimikyu, Megalopunny, like they're just gonna they're just gonna ruin your your day and Mewtwo sucks blah blah yeah. blah. And then there's people like me who just like freaking love Mewtwo and I'm like yeah you know I'm gonna do th- 300 and you're dead bro. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> that's probably the hottest take I honestly have. Um, and I, honestly, I think I've I've been this is like my transparent thoughts is that just those decks that we think from the beginning are very good are the ones I think are currently very good. Right. Um, and if that ends up being wrong or something crazy develops, then I will just accept that I was that was wrong going into this. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's open it up to the chat here. We have a few uh, questions here in the chat. Um, let's see. Uh, have you guys talked about why Mewbox is falling out of the meta? Riley, you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of was alluding to that previously. I don't think it's really falling out um, in terms of its meta viability, but I think the public opinion of it has declined due to Mimikyu being a card that exists, uh, even if it's not played, its existence alone kind of scares people, and uh, Megalopony being a card that exists for the similar reasons. Sure, absolutely. Um, What are the types of doll stalls that you've seen? I personally have seen on the ladder just straight doll stall. It'll play like Florges and Munchlax. I've also seen one that plays Floorsbuck, which is a very interesting hit-and-run mechanic. You can load up a couple energies and do 60 a turn, so maybe put a little bit of pressure while you're retreating into the Lily's Pokedoll. Pretty interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how that deck kind of evolves. Maybe there's a doll-type um, deck that works with Hitmonchan, a la Donphan <laughs> of years past. We have a few... I, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think currently the, the way I would play it is just a simple Jirachi... Lily's Pokédoll, uh, Florges deck. I wouldn't try and spice it up with an attacker. Sure. Uh, so somebody here asks, what do you think is looking good for the expanded metagame next format? I know that's not really on topic, but we will take that question. What is looking good in expanded next format, Riley? Any guesses? I think Zorogarp just stays good. Yeah. Um, I It's like control is kind of gone. You, you have the Iris now to deal with Dark. Um, it just it feels just kind of like the deck to play, and so maybe because Zorgarb is so good, other decks start to increase in play. Like Picaram starts to see more play, or whatever sure. else. Um, but I think Zorgarb is kind of be the meta definer. Sure. Um, Behem people are saying in the chat seems good. Uh, what what kind of kept Behem from being a strong contender last format? Because I know it certainly wasn't like a tier one option. You maybe could have slotted it in as, at a low tier two. Do you think Behem has any traction? Um, traction might be an overstatement, but Behem is another deck that really benefits from Lily's Pokédoll. Um, so instead of... Like right now, Behem's in this place where... Pre-Cosmic Eclipse, where you just have to kind of... Either you have like the Lola Ninetales and you kind of just win... Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, you'd probably win whether or not you played a BHM in your deck. <laughs> sure. Um, or you're kind of stacking prizes every turn and hoping the item lock gets you there. 
And the Lily's Pokedoll kind of circumvents that because there's no Gust besides Fion in this format, which sure. to be fair, the Fion is kind of annoying for Pokedoll. Right. Um, but you just set the set two up, so it's like, it's fine. Yeah, if you get two dolls on the board, it doesn't matter. Um, but then the flip side of that is that, you know, you can't you can't really Gust it anyway without Fion versus the doll. So with that, with item lock at least. So you're guaranteed at least one or two extra turns of attacking without giving up a prize, which I think is really, really relevant for BHM. So right. uh, I think it's probably better. It's, it's it's just not a deck that I would play. It feels really, the lock is kind of inconsistent. Um, so cool. yeah, I, I don't think any more needs to be said than it's just kind of inconsistent. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, that, that seems like a really good overview of the, of the metagame. Riley, uh, thank you again for being here. You you are all the way in California. Yeah, yeah, sunny California. It's actually dark outside now because it is getting late. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been awesome, DW. Thank you for having me. Well, this is great. We'll get uh, all our technical issues worked out for next week when you're back home safe and sound. Thank you guys all for joining us. Stick around later for... Pokemon After Dark, my own personal stream. I'm going to get right on that. So guys, just take your time, take a little, you know, drink, sip of that uh, nice ice cold water that I know that you have here. Stay hydrated, people. And I'll be right back. Always hydrated. Thank you guys for uh, for watching Tag Team. And we'll see you next week. Peace. (laughs) 